today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith We recognize our flaws, our frailties, our feet of clay. But when God looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He sees you as though you had never broken any one of the Ten Commandments, as if you had kept the Sermon on the Mount perfectly, completely. He sees you as if Jesus Christ had lived your life, and he calls them his saints. Reaching up high with arms open Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. It's not hard to see our own failures and frailties. We're imperfect people and it's easy to become discouraged by this. But in today's message, Pastor Ed reminds us that when God sees us, He sees something different. Because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb, the Lord sees us as the finished work of Jesus Christ. He doesn't see our problems. He sees us as if Jesus Christ had lived our life. This is grace, and it frees us to live radically for God every day. Have you accepted it? Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message, God's Wonderful People. In we're going to begin a series today on the book of Philippians. And we're going to be preaching through Philippians, uh, word by word, phrase by phrase, over the next... Well, months. We're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1, we have a greeting from the Apostle Paul to the church of Philippi. It was a church that he had a deep connection to. A church that supported Paul during some of the very difficult times in his own life. And so there was a deep affection between Paul and this church, the church of Philippi. Perhaps it might have been the church that was closest to his heart. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And I'm reading this morning from the NIV, but we will also be using the New American Standard Version as well. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says so much in such little space. In a few words, There's such depth of meaning. A simple greeting raised to a higher level when placed in the hand of Paul the Apostle that speaks to us of what a Christian truly is. The title of my message this morning is God's Wonderful People. God's Wonderful People. Well, What constitutes God's wonderful people? What makes someone 
a child of God, a member of his kingdom. I read a story about a Methodist lay minister who was preaching at a conference, and he told this story about his uncle. He said there were several churches that had dwindled down in their attendance, and no longer could they be independent congregations. So they decided to join together. It was a Presbyterian church, a Methodist church, and a congregational church. As they met together, they would try to decide on what the name of the church would be. It was a long debate. They decided what they all had in common was this. They were Christians. At the meeting, to vote on the name, one man stood up. And I want you to listen to what he said. I won't stand for it. I was born a Methodist. I was baptized a Methodist. I've worshipped as a Methodist. I even married a Methodist. I've been a Methodist all my life, and no one is going to make a Christian out of me. Well, God doesn't look at labels, whether it's Methodist or Presbyterian or Assemblies of God or Congregational. What really is important is that you know Christ personally what are the marks of being a member of his family of God's wonderful people well Paul the apostle gives us those markers those characteristics defines it for us in verse 1 Paul and Timothy Paul the apostle who is saved His salvationist story is recorded in Acts chapter 9. His name had been Saul. He was a persecutor of the church, but God called him and arrested him and changed his life. Timothy grew up with a Greek father, a Jewish mother. His father in all likelihood died when he was young. Timothy became a convert to Christianity and a help to Paul, an associate with Paul the Apostle. And Paul and Timothy were both very familiar with the church at Philippi. Paul founded the church. Timothy was involved in the church there as well. Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Christ Jesus. The Greek word is doulos. It means slave. Bond servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints. To all the saints. In Christ Jesus, who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons. Now notice the phrase, to all the saints. If you open up Webster's Dictionary, it will tell you a saint is someone who the church decides to canonize. Someone who lived an exceptionally holy life. If you were to go to Oxford Dictionary, it would have a very similar definition. Someone who has lived an exceptional life, someone who has died in the church, decided to canonize. That's not the way the Bible describes saints. That's not the way Paul used the term saints. In the Greek language, it's simply holy ones. Agathos. Oh, Agathos, the holy ones. The saints. When we think of saints, 
were very hesitant to use that. If I were to say St. Adeline or St. Carmen or St. David, you might wonder, what is pastor talking about? What exception? And they're shaking their heads. No, 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 no. But you are. You are. According to Paul the Apostle, you are saints, according to Scripture. In fact, if you were to read and study the New Testament, you'd see that Christian, the term, the name for follower of Christ, Christian, is used only several times. But saints is used over and over and over again. It's one of Paul's favorite words for believers, for followers of Christ. It means the holy Ones. The idea of saint is someone who has been set apart for God's use. Someone that God has called out of darkness, brought into the light, placed his hand upon and said, you belong now to me. You find the early charter membership of this church in Acts chapter 16. The first person saved was a businesswoman an entrepreneur by the name of Lydia. Now, it's interesting how Paul went to Philippi. Paul was ready to stay in Asia and preach the gospel there, but God spoke to him and said, no, you're to go to Europe. He had a vision of a man who said, come over and speak to us, a man from Macedonia. Now, when Paul got there, he didn't find a man there. He found a woman there, but maybe if he would have seen a woman in the vision they may not have gone i don't know but well that's the culture back then (laughs) but he went and there in the city of philippi there's not enough jews to have a congregation he needed 10 males there's only some women meeting by the river where they were worshiping god and there's a woman by the name of lydia It says, to all the saints, you see the membership in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. There's Lydia. In Acts chapter 16, verse 14, we have the hand of God reaching down and touching Lydia's heart. In all likelihood, Lydia had joined a synagogue. She had left polytheism, the worship of many gods, for the Jewish worship of monotheism, the worship of the one true God. She was attracted to the Jewish faith. And there, in all likelihood, as she heard Paul preach, she realized that what he was saying was true. And God touched her heart. Look at the record. In Acts 16, 14, it says this. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God, the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Unless God draws you, you can't come. Unless God works inside of you, the gospel seems like nonsense. But when God opens your eyes and the light of the gospel shines into your heart and you experience the power of the gospel, suddenly everything changes inside and you see what you hadn't seen and you hear what you hadn't heard. You realize the truth of salvation. Here Lydia heard the message. Her heart was gripped. Her life was changed. She was saved. She opened up her home. 
for the first church to be started. The first church that we know of in Europe. Lydia, a member of the upper class. While Paul was ministering and preaching in Philippi, there was a slave girl possessed of a demon power. She could tell the fortune, the fortune of people, the future of people. You know, Satan has power. But don't go there. Stay with the power of God. It's much better. Satan may give you a half-truth, but he'll rope you in, destroy your life. And so many people are caught up into things they shouldn't be, like white witchcraft, like reading horoscopes, like seeing palm readers. Don't even go there. This young girl, this fortune teller, was possessed of a satanic power. And she was following Paul and others around and the group, and she was saying, listen to them. They're speaking the truth, the message of salvation. And Paul's heart was grieved. See, heaven doesn't need hell's advertisement. Heaven doesn't need hell's promotion. God will promote his own cause, his own work, and his own way. And Paul was grieved, and he turned around to that young slave girl in the lowest of classes, and he said, in the name of Jesus, be delivered. You could see the story in Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 18. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. So in this congregation of saints was a businesswoman who was converted, was a slave girl who was delivered from demonic power. There was someone in the middle class. There was a a Roman jailer, perhaps a retired soldier. But you remember the story? Paul and Silas were thrown into jail for preaching the gospel. And there in the jail, they wouldn't give in to discouragement. They wouldn't give in to all that they went through. They just started praising God. They had been beaten. They had been abused. They had been misused. But that didn't matter. They were serving God. They were caught up in the spirit and they began to sing songs and all of a sudden an earthquake came and the jail cell opened and the jailer realized that his prisoners would escape and so he's ready to take his life and Paul says don't don't none of us have escaped he was concerned about this jailer's soul and the story is again in Acts chapter 16 verses 27 to 31 And I'm reading selected portions of those verses. The jailer, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus. You will be saved, you and your household. And he was baptized in his household, and they were saved. So the members of this church in Philippi were called saints. There was a a jailer. There was Lydia, a businesswoman. There was a slave girl, free from demonic power. And there were many others that came in afterwards. And Paul says, you're saints. You're holy ones. Now, we're hesitant to use that word about ourselves because we recognized our, we recognized our flaws, 
our frailties, our feet of clay. But when God looks at you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees you through the finished work of Jesus Christ. He sees you as though you had never broken any one of the Ten Commandments, as if you had kept the Sermon on the Mount perfectly, completely. He sees you as if Jesus Christ had lived your life, and he calls them his saints Now, we need to work out what God worked in. We need to live out practically what God gave us positionally. Peter, 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Uh, Peter says, you are the new people of God, new Israel in a sense. This community of believers, the ecclesia, the called out ones, that's what the word church means, the ecclesia, the called out ones. You're called out of the world to live for God. You're a holy people because God has set you apart for his use, for his purposes, for his plan. These were the people of God that Paul the apostle was writing to. See, if you're not a saint, you're not born again if you're not a saint you're not a member of the kingdom if you're a member of the kingdom if you've been born again if you've been washed in the blood of christ god calls you his saints you don't have to wait till you die and you don't have to wait until some people say some nice things about you and some church council decides to get together and they canonize you no no if you know jesus you're one of god's saints Uh, Someone has said, one thing about a church, you're never too bad to come in and you're never too good to stay out. God calls people from every walks of life, from every background, from every tribe and every nation and every community. And he says, come and be my holy ones. I'm forming a holy nation. I'm forming a royal priesthood, a peculiar people to show forth my praise. Now, Paul the apostle, in this epistle, and in none of the other epistles does he have in the greetings the leaders of the church. In the original language, it says bishops and deacons. In the translations like the NIV and some of the other translations, they'll say overseers. The reason they do that is they want to try and convey to our ears what it meant back then in terms of bishop. Because when we think of bishops, we think of church hierarchy. We think of more churches who have all of this structure But back then, a bishop was simply an overseer. It would be almost synonymous with the idea of elder, pastor. Already, and notice it's saints first, bishop and elders, because the saints came out of, the bishops and elders and deacons came out of the saints. You're a saint first. Then you're a leader. It's more a focus on their function within the church than even the position that they held in the church, though it was a position. The elders were, or bishops or overseers, were people responsible for overseeing the church, for the ministry and teaching of the word. The deacons, 
In Acts chapter 6, we have the first record of deacons. They were men who were to serve tables, to minister to the needs of people, to free up the overseers, the apostles, to do the work, the preaching, the teaching, ministry of the church. And so that's the New Testament pattern. In fact, in one of the commentaries, it stated, the impression we receive in the New Testament is of local churches loosely federated under apostolic authority, with each church managing its own affairs under the leadership of overseers and deacons. That's the picture of the early church. The early church didn't have all of the outward structures. It was a loose federation of congregations in different communities. But it's so important that every minister, every preacher, every teacher knows Jesus Christ. And they have a personal relationship with him. I was talking to a, a minister. He was a Methodist pastor. He had gone to Princeton And then he went to Drew for his doctorate. He received his MDiv at Princeton and then his doctorate at Drew. And he said he had pastored for seven years. And he never knew the plan of salvation. He said one day he was at a conference with 400 other pastors. And there was an old preacher who said, you have to know Christ personally. You have to be born again. And he told those ministers they had to be saved. He felt so convicted that he didn't care who was looking at him, what was happening. Garland said he got up and he came forward and received Christ as his personal Savior. And he said, along with 50 other ministers who hadn't known Christ. A person has to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Because you're in a church doesn't mean you're saved. Because you attend Assembly of God church or a Methodist church or an Episcopal church or whatever church, an evangelical church, doesn't mean you you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to know him. You have to have received him. The power of God has to have exploded in your life. And you have to know the power of the gospel of Christ that changes you. And so these people here at Philippi, they experienced the power of God. They came from various walks in life, but they met God there and they knew what Paul was talking about. It's amazing when a person is saved, how suddenly their eyes are open and they see this Bible is not a mere historical document, but is a love letter that God wrote to them. Notice the biblical text. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, the holy ones. And where are they? They're in Christ. In Christ. The blessings, the promises, the covenant, the salvation, it's in Christ. That's where everything we have is we have to be in Jesus Christ. That's why when you pray, you never go to God the Father and say, I pray in the name of faith assembly of God. You wouldn't do that. You pray in the name of Jesus, right? Because that's the name that gives us access to God. It's in Christ, in his name. We have access to the Father. We have access into his presence And the promises are ours in Christ. But notice also it says this. And it doesn't say it in the NIV, but the New American Standard accurately follows the Greek. In Philippi. 
What I think Paul was doing at this point was recognizing our dual citizenship. We are first of all and primarily citizens of heaven. Thank you, Pastor Ed, for that uplifting teaching. Philippians is filled with wisdom for life today, and Paul gives us such practical direction for shining the light of Christ into a world that is lost in darkness. We hope that today's message was encouraging to you and helped to build you up in your faith. Maybe as you were listening, you thought of someone else who would love the encouragement from this message as well. So please feel free to share today's teaching with your friends and family. You can find this message and many others from Pastor Ed online at buildinginfaithradio.com. If you're in the Poughkeepsie, New York area, we'd love to see you at Faith Assembly. Come on over on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. for a faith-filled time of worship and learning together. Or stop by on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for a deeper time of study into the Word. You can learn more at that same website, buildinginfaithradio.com. If you have other questions, prayer requests, or would simply like more information about the life-changing love of Jesus, please call us at 845-462-5955. We'd love to share with you. We're so glad you joined us today. We'd like you to know that we're praying for you as you go through your day and ask that you be praying for the mission of building in faith, that many people would be drawn closer to Jesus. Tune in again as we continue in Philippians, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.